Letter to Mindy on Drawbridges, Happiness Palaces, and Parc La Fontaine. Monday, September 5th, 2022, 11.05 a.m. Dear Mindy, hello from inside my happiness palace. I got your message on Saturday. I was at the park, the same park where I used to go to do business planning after grad school. The same park where I called Joey a couple of years ago, and he coached me through leaving that dumb, stupid husband of mine. It's also the park where I called Hannah and tried to reconnect. That's been challenging, but it's happening-ish. It's also the park where I met Etienne for the first time as a boy-boy. That was way more fun than those other conversations. I've been to that park a lot, I guess. It's called Parc La Fontaine. I've talked to you from there, too, while I walk around the lake. It's a man-made lake. The path around it makes a bit of a figure eight, because there's a bridge in the middle where it sort of cinches the lake into two parts. I usually walk around it, but lately I just put my towel down and journal and do my thing. There's all sorts of people there. Women walk by in headscarves, gay dudes roller skate past shirtless. I saw a woman shirtless there last week. Technically it's legal, but I'd never seen it before. Good for her. Teenagers, nuns, acrobats, the whole world will walk by if you wait long enough. The homeless people hang out in one section of it, so I usually give it a pretty big berth, but every now and then I walk right past them and smile back when they give me their wide grins. I feel like homeless people break our personal space quandaries a lot, sometimes really rudely, but every now and then refreshingly sweetly. I guess if you don't have a home, you treat the world like it's yours, for better or for worse. I listened to you yesterday and felt a pang because I could hear how much you missed me in your voice. I miss you too. So I'm sending you this letter from inside my happiness palace. It's a beautiful place with butterflies in the wall and a plush purple carpet. The feeling of my home reminds me of how I used to feel when I would visit you in the attic and you would have your table of crystals and trinkets. I used to love that table. I have a bit of a crystal trinket ledge myself now as you come up the stairs to my home. I'm at the top of a three-story building that was built in the 1880s. That's nuts, isn't it? So old. Older than anyone on Earth, pretty much, except for maybe a couple of monks out there hiding in the Amazon. My friend Lynn just went to the Amazon. She had an awesome time. I was sad I didn't get to go with her, but not that sad, because these days I just need to feel stable, and I imagine I wouldn't feel too stable in the rainforest. You know, with all the snakes and leeches. Leeches are the grossest. I've been writing a lot this summer. It's like I spent the years leading up to now gestating words, and now I'm giving birth. But the birth is continuous. It's going in waves, ebbing, flowing, lowering, rising, and the words just won't stop coming. I'm learning how to ride the waves, how to live my life as much as I can without thinking about the writing because I trust that the writing will come. How I can then make room for the writing, creating the headspace, cultivating the time, and closing the doors to external influences. The crazy thing is that there are really only two doors to my happiness palace, metaphorical ones, I mean. Well, actually, there are three. I call them drawbridges. This is them. One, my cell phone. Two, my laptop. Three, my head. I've been learning to manage them one by one. They're all super hard, though of course my head is the trickiest one of all, because anything can choose to just show up in my head unbidden. No, no bridges or tunnels are needed. Managing the head drawbridge involves meditation, which is what I'm going to do after this letter. With my phone, I just grab it and turn the off button before I have a chance to argue with myself. Then I hide it somewhere. I'm getting better and better. Sometimes I really can't find it. 
Much later, hopefully, I find it for whatever reason seems important at the time. But before I let myself turn it on, I do four things. Sometimes I do them in a hurry because I can't wait to get back to that screen, but sometimes the process feels slow and spiritual. Here's how it goes. My office contains my sit-stand desk, which can also double as a TV projector and also the only place in the home that men above 40 find comfortable. It has the awesome ergonomic office chair that Mistress Me, that's my inside grown-up voice, insisted on buying even though it was expensive. To the left is a big pile, pretty much the only disorganized section of the house. It's irking me right now, so soon I will fix it. Over top are my vision boards. My degree's on the wall, too, to Laura Lee, whoever that is. I offset it from the vision boards because I'm ridiculously proud of my degree, but it also doesn't define me. Of course, there are butterflies flying all over that wall, too. I wanted Mistress Me to feel comfortable and happy while she worked. At the beginning, I imagined cordoning off the office space with a divider. The thing is, I have an open floor plan, so there are no clear divisions, which I didn't realize was hard to figure out until I had to. But yeah, anyway, dividers are expensive, and I feel like they would have closed the space way too much. So one evening it came to me. I moved the rugs from the middle of the space to the side and used it to connect three things together, morphing the office into the stretching, meditating spot and then segueing into my reading nook. It all comes together in this beautiful way, and now grown-uping isn't quite as scary. Anyway, none of that is the point. The point is, to the right of my desk is a shelf with all my grown-uping books, textbooks, and dictionaries I really rarely look at. In fairness, I used to use a textbook so much they all have their pages loose, but last year I hand-scanned everything into my computer, so now the books stand there as proud reminders of many, many hours of work. On the top of the shelves is the printer, one of the only things I took from Fuckface's condo. Steve the Squirrel lives on top to remind me not to take life too seriously. I don't think it's his permanent perch, though, because he tends to make his way over to wherever there is food so he can lurk hopefully in the background. To the right of the printer is a plant, at least for now. My house doesn't get a lot of light for plants, except right in the nooks, but I have uses for all the nooks. There's the reading nook, and then the nook where the air conditioner invaded, and then the bedroom nook, which is an awesome replacement for a nightstand and contains practical nighttime things in pretty boxes, as well as condoms and vibrators in pretty boxes. I love it. On the shelves is also a piece of paper, a bundle of sage I haven't used yet, and a teeny metal genie bottle that I bought myself in Chinatown during a magical day with Dee after a super scary day, when I needed to have terrible things done to my lower half. The piece of paper reads as follows. Cell phone and email boundaries. 1. Gratitude for finding my safe space. 2. Acknowledge any fears and attachments outside the moat. 3. Decide how long the phone will be on. 4. Decide who gets to come through. WhatsApp, Messenger, Signal, Marco, Email, Other. Gaga. After I've run through that list, or sometimes while I run through it, I sing Lo Yi Sagoy. Managing the laptop is probably the easiest part, even though it's not really easy. Some other day I'll tell you how I've been organizing the different types of drawbridges, like friends, family, professional stuff, strangers. So now I'm going to go raise the drawbridge. So weird, I always want to say lower, but raise is the one where they can't get past your moat, and that's the one I'm doing right now. And I'm going to write, wish me luck, love, your little sister. <laughs>